Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly and co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Hello, 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 hello. America's Heroes Group Roundtable with partner Jesse Brown, VA Works. Today is Saturday, October 10th, 2020. October is Breast Cancer and National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And we have our host, Cliff Kelly, co-host Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, executive producer Glenda Smith, and digital media producer Manny Carazari, assistant digital media producer Al Greer, and... uh, I want to say that the Governor of Talk Radio will be back next week. He is currently at a speaking engagement concerning the Get Out to Vote campaign, how important that is, especially right now. Okay, we are America's Heroes Group is proudly sponsored by Attorney Steve Seidman of Seidman Margulis and Fairman, LLP, 20 South Clark Street, 2 First National Plaza, Suite 700, Chicago, Illinois, 60603, toll free, 888 837-3275. Office number is 312-781-1977. Excellent service there. Also, America's Heroes Group is proudly sponsored by the veteran business owner, Here's Gulf Shrimp, 7448 South Vincennes Avenue, Chicago, Illinois, 60621. Call 773-783-1818, a veteran-owned business. Also, America's Heroes Group is proudly sponsored by Mm-mm, that Pearl's Place Down Home Southern Cooking, 3901 South Michigan Avenue, Illinois, Chicago, Illinois. Phone number 877-275-5852. So today we actually have a panelist. Uh, Missa Lopez is the Intimate Partner Violence Assistance Program Coordinator at Jesse Brown VA. What we're going to discuss today is Domestic Violence Awareness Month and the White Ribbon Initiative. How are you doing, uh, Misa? I'm doing well, thank you. And thank you so much for having me and, and giving us this opportunity to discuss this issue. Oh, great. Yes. Um, and it looks like uh, there's so many different in, uh, issues that are surrounding this. Um, you know, we know that uh, the conflicts that arise sometimes in military families are due to a host of different things. You know, mental illness, drugs and alcohol abuse may be involved, PTSD, you know, uh, traumatic brain injuries, multiple deployments, uh, you know, family separations and reintegration, and poor, this moral character sometimes on the part of a person that would perpetrate violence in another person. So why don't you give us an overview of what this whole topic is about? I know you are very deeply involved in that. Something I'm really passionate about. So there's a lot of um, a lot of content to cover. So I feel like we can probably start with defining what intimate partner violence is or domestic violence. Um, I feel like in the community, intimate partner violence and domestic violence are kind of used interchangeably. Um, there are nuanced differences in terms of who is enacting the violence. So for our purposes, um, we focus on intimate partner violence. And how that's defined is it describes any violent behavior, including but not limited to any kind of physical or sexual violence, stalking, psychological aggression, including coercive acts, 
um, by a current or former intimate partner. And it generally occurs on a continuum of frequency and severity, um, and it can range in you know, from one episode that might or might not have lasting impacts to chronic and severe episodes over a period of years. Um, it's also important to know that IPV is non-discriminatory. So it can occur in heterosexual relationships, same-sex relationships, um, any race, any socioeconomic status. And to be identified as IPV, it does not require sexual intimacy or cohabitation. Oh, boy. Yes, because, you know, and, and one of the things about it is that it is not, a, you know, a normal byproduct of military life. It, it's mm-hmm. really a crime, right? So it's been defined as a crime. Mm-hmm. You have uh, the, you know, uh, 1996 uh, Lutenberg Amendment uh, to the Federal Gun Control Act of uh, 1968, and it makes it a felony, right, for someone, uh, for a, anyone convicted of a domestic violence misdemeanor. Uh, so this actually has implications for whether someone can actually be discharged, mm-hmm. you know, unconditional dismissal from uh, the military as well, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, it's it's important to point out that mm-hmm. statistically, if we want to think about volume, um, statistically speaking, one in three women and one in four men experience IPV. Um, and there's research that indicates that veterans may have a higher prevalence and possibly double that of the general population. So this is a very important issue um, for us to address. Oh, boy. And um, there there are so many uh, different things, that signs of abuse, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, people in a medical profession, because I'm a physician as well, but, you know, looking towards the skin, the bone, and the mm-hmm. central nervous system, you know, you have wounds and bruises sometimes and fractures or dislocated joints uh, that result from this physical violence, uh, but also the mental aspects of it. You know, people can actually have malnutrition or poor hygiene or, Mm -hmm. you know, or defensive wounds that you'll see on their skin and, you know, uh, insomnia, low self-esteem. And then there's a kind of an air of silence when a uh, predator, you know, is present with the the Mm -hmm. victim. So, you know, how, how do how do people really face this and how can they address the issue if they are going through domestic violence themselves? What, what, sure. what do you offer like at the VA? Well, so I'm wondering if I could just give a little context um, <laughs> I, with two components of intimate partner violence, um, because I think it's important to to have a better understanding of someone who's experiencing it and the challenges that come with that and someone who knows someone who may experience it. Um, So when we think about someone who's experiencing IPV, you know, because you brought up the piece about there can be, you know, aside from the physical representations, there can be some emotional and psychological representations. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in my opinion, I think um, one of the more offensive and damaging myths around IPV is why does she stay or why does he stay or it must be okay, right? So. You know, part of uh, what's important to us to convey is it's not okay. And as much as we understand that it takes an enormous amount of courage to leave, you know, I would argue that it takes an enormous amount of strength and courage to stay, mm-hmm. right? So if you have children or you have no money or no support system, you know, in these relationships, oftentimes you've been isolated from friends and family and community. 
um, and you've been made to believe that everything you have is because of your partner and you're too worthless to get anything anywhere else, right? So, you know, having an understanding, you know, on the advocate side that it takes all the courage someone can muster to get through the day, Mm -hmm. to make your kids lunch, to go to work and act like everything's all right, despite the, the uncertainty and the terror, and constantly wondering if today's going to be a good day or is it going to be a bad day, right? It's totally unpredictable. Mm -hmm. And so I just, you know, I like to point out that it takes a massive amount of strength and courage. So Mm -hmm. what we want people to know is there's help. There are VA providers, community agencies, advocates, resources um, that can help give people a better understanding of what's available to you and how to access those services and, and perhaps help move you towards safety. And I'm a huge believer that knowledge is power, right? So sometimes knowing you're not alone can feel very empowering and give us hope. So when you're ready to take that step, you know that someone's going to be there to walk alongside of you. Um, So we're not asking people to make the hard decisions right this minute, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Leaving an unsafe relationship can be one of the most dangerous times for someone. Mm -hmm. So we want to be sure to safety plan and to have resources in place. But what I would propose is for people to consider, you know, what would it be like to feel safe? And if the answer is maybe better, then we want folks to know that we're here for them. Mm-hmm. A second piece um, that that kind of ties into is those of us who may not be experiencing violence, but who know someone who does. Oh, yes. Yeah, and this is something that, you know, I try to make sure I'm incorporating and talking a lot about because, um, I, you know, we focus a lot on the individual um, who's experiencing to make sure that they're safe and getting them the supports that they need. But, you know, I also acknowledge that for, for those of us who may not have the understanding fully of what IPV is and all the implications, we may not know what to do. So, mm-hmm. you know, when, when we talk about um, if you're in an unhealthy or unsafe situation, I do think there's merit in discussing what to do if you know someone who's in a, da- in a dangerous or unhealthy relationship. Um, because I think this can be really confusing for folks, right? Like right. friends, family, neighbors, coworkers. Mm-hmm. I think that when we suspect something's going on with someone that we care about, um, you know, we, we might hesitate to ask questions mm-hmm. because I think, you know, we often look at domestic violence like a private family matter or we don't want to pry, or we don't want to be intrusive. But for for those of us who may know somebody or may see something, you know, I want you to consider what would it be like if we asked someone, are you okay? Yes. And what if we were the first person to ask that question? Mm-hmm. And what if that person felt safe enough or scared enough to tell someone, right? Like, right. we, you know, could we be the difference in letting that person know that, you're not alone and could we be the first person to let them know you know that what's happening is not okay and they don't you know they deserve to be safe mm-hmm. um so i think educating ourselves um about the issue you know itself but then what to do right yes and it's really interesting because you were giving a statistic about one in three women and one in four mm-hmm. men and so that means if you're in a unit, if you're in the military, if you you know if you're active duty, it means someone in your unit probably is going through this that you're not even aware of, that uh, that needs to be brought to the command level 
where people, you know, have some type of insight into what's happening with their troops. And, Absolutely. And, and you know, uh, you know, also, you know, this it seems like it's a continuum too. So, mm-hmm. um, the, the, sometimes they, you know, I've seen reports where people said, "Well, the, you know, I felt too embarrassed to talk about this, or no yeah. big deal, or you know, they were trying to protect someone's career, the spouse's career, mm-hmm. or the partner's mm-hmm. career." So, so you know, you know, it seems, seems like early intervention is really important. So, you know, before this progresses, don't assume that, you know, this is going to be the height of everything. If someone says something bad to you, mm-hmm. that maybe this is part of the progression, right? Right. And, you know, you bring up a really good point about the telling, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So yeah. we have to also remember in intimate partner violent relationships, mm-hmm. there's a lot of emotional and psychological battering. And particularly, you know, um, with folks who are, you know, have this persona of being super tough and, you know, in these really hardcore environments, mm-hmm. um, you know, we we need to believe that there's some conditioning that goes on, right? That, you know, you better not tell or conditioning someone to believe that whatever's going on is their fault. Yes. or that they're worthless and they deserve whatever they're experiencing. So, you know, when we think about those things, it makes sense that someone in that situation is reluctant to tell because I I feel like there's a lot of shame and self-blame that comes along with it in addition to, like, confusion over what just happened or what's deserved. Yes. That's a beautiful – that's an interesting point. That makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. And, and it, I think, you know, this may sound oversimplified. Right. But I think we have to really understand the power of the words, you're not alone. And if we remember that it takes time to um, be able to be at a place where we we feel safe to tell someone or, you know, if um, that it it just takes some time to um, even sometimes for ourselves to understand what's happening to us, you know, we need to know the people who are kind of observing all this, we need to remember that it takes time, right? And it may take time to disclose or may take time to leave. And I think our instinct is because I like to believe that we're innately good, right? That our instinct is we want to protect people and we care so much that if somebody's not ready to tell or leave or move in a different direction, we may interact with them with judgment and say, why not? Or why don't you do something? Right. So we're now kind of putting the onus on the, on the person who's experiencing. Um, so we really want to make every effort to be supportive without judgment. And Mm -hmm. at the, at the end of the day, let that person know that although you may not be ready right now, I'm here and I'm going to be here. And when you're ready, I'm going to support you. Fantastic. Yeah, that's excellent advice. And, you know, anyone's out there who's listening, I hope you're listening to these words and, you know, take uh, the step forward, as, uh, as was just mentioned, and also, you know, being compassionate about other people who are going through this and understanding, mm-hmm. you know, how important it is. But, you know, tell, tell me something also about the White Ribbon Initiative. Yes, That's we a- are. <laughs> mm-hmm, I'm really excited about this. So, mm-hmm. um, so as you had mentioned at the beginning, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And during this month, our goal is to increase awareness of domestic violence, and we do that through advocacy, education, events, um, but most importantly, you know, the, the, the root of Domestic Violence Awareness Month is for those experiencing violence. We want to let you know that we're here for you, and if you need help or support or want more information about the options you have, we're here to help. 
And so we're doing this in a, in a few ways. First, um, which is very exciting that, that we brought it here to Jesse Brown, they're in a national effort to take action against violence. The VA's launched the White Ribbon VA campaign. And so this campaign aims to eliminate sexual harassment, sexual assault, and domestic violence in VA healthcare settings and in our communities and also to promote a positive change in the culture that would allow actions from the personal pledge to become the norm. And so essentially the initiative encourages everyone to make the pledge to never commit, excuse, or stay silent about sexual harassment, sexual assault, or domestic violence, and to lead by example through our thoughts, words, and actions. So through the month of October, we wear a white ribbon to represent that we take the pledge to stand against violence and we support VA healthcare settings as safe and welcoming environments. So if somebody wanted to learn a little bit more, um, get a little yes. bit more detail about the white ribbon campaign, they can visit um, www.va.gov backslash health backslash harassment slash free or they can find us on social media media at hashtag harassment free VA. Oh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and if, some, if someone is experiencing uh, domestic violence, there's a national domestic violence hotline, right? Yes. That they can call? Yes. And so mm-hmm. the most important number for anybody to have, um, whether you know someone or are in that experience mm-hmm. yourself, um, and there's a number of safe ways to, to keep that number secret if you need to. Right. Um, the National Domestic Violence Hotline is 800-799-SAFE. So that's 800-799-7233. And they can help with safety planning, resources, support. Um, they're 24-7, so it's a really good resource. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.